I don't know if you've noticed or not, probably not, because it takes an astute, experienced person, uh, much like myself, to be able to point these things out for uh, the rest of us. But I don't know if you've spent time thinking about this or you've noticed this or picked up on this, but life is hard. Uh, Life is just hard. And it really doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. It doesn't really matter what age in life you're in. Uh, Life is just hard. Uh, Being a teenager, whether you're single, married, divorced, uh, whether you're a parent with little bitty kids or whether you're a parent with kids in grade school or kids in middle school or kids in high school or your kids are long gone, right? Can I get a witness? Still, life is hard. Uh, Whether you're getting older and you're in the retirement years, life is still hard. Whether you call yourself the employer or the employee, uh, life is still hard. Uh, It's just a fact of life. Life is hard. They tell us that growing up, but really we don't believe them. Uh, We think that they may be telling a little bit of the truth, but we just don't realize how much of the truth they are actually telling us. Life is hard. But here's the thing. This is the thing that compounds that truth and makes it that much worse. Life is hard, but sometimes we make it harder. Life is hard, but sometimes we make it harder. Matter of fact, if we wanted to personalize the statement, we could say that life is hard, but sometimes I make it harder. It's not so much that you're making it harder, though sometimes you do, and it's not that I'm making it harder for you, and I'm sure sometimes I do, but most of the time we just need to own the fact that life is hard, but many times, and more times than not, I'm making life harder than it actually has to be. Through the choices that I make, through the things that I say, through the things that I don't say that I should have said, the dumb things I do, you know, the, the crazy things that I allow myself, you know, to participate in. You know, I can just make I can just make life more difficult than it has to be. And it really doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, you have the capacity, you have the potential to actually make your life more difficult. You do. Through the choices that we make every single day, we're actually taking a step in a direction. And with every decision, we're heading in a direction. And if we continue to make the same decisions in the same direction, we ultimately end up in a destination of our own design. And when we are making the wrong decisions and we're taking the wrong steps in the wrong direction, we end up obviously in the wrong place. And oftentimes that wrong place makes life incredibly more difficult than what it needed to be in the first place. Now, Jesus knew this, right? Our Savior knew this, and Jesus showed up onto the pages of history, and he offered people a better life for this life, an eternal life beyond this life. He talked about a better life that we could actually experience between birth and death. But then he gave us the hope of eternal life beyond death. But in between birth and death, Jesus offered to us a better life, and he spent his entire earthly ministry casting a vision on what this life looked like. He talked about, imagine a life. This would be like Jesus. He gathered in front of, you know, a big group of people, and they'd all be circled up, and perhaps up there on the mountain, the Sermon on the Mount, wherever he was at. It was almost as if Jesus was saying, imagine this. Imagine a life without worry. Can you imagine that? Just think about that. Some of you, you think that's absolutely impossible. Imagine a life without worry. And Jesus, he painted the vision for a life without worry. He would actually say, don't worry. Don't worry, right? You think you can't help it, but Jesus said you can help it and you're making your life more difficult by worrying about everything that you're worrying about. And he painted a picture of a life without worry. He also painted the picture of a life without fear. Could you imagine? A life where there's reasons to be afraid, but yet you're not afraid. Because of your faith and because of your relationship with your heavenly father, you're just not afraid. 
He says, you don't have to live in fear. It is a better way to live. Matter of fact, if you live your life in fear, Jesus said, you're making life more difficult than what it actually has to be. He talked about living a life without concerns for day-to-day things like food and clothing. He says, if you seek first the kingdom of God, all these other things that you're concerned about and worried about and consumed with, they're gonna be added to your life anyway. So you just need to trust God and quit being concerned with day-to-day things. He painted the picture of a life where we do for others what we hope and pray that others would do for us. That's the type of vision that Jesus cast for this better life. He cast a vision for a life where love over, you know, surpassed hate and where joy was greater than bitterness and where forgiveness gave way, you know, or grudges gave way to forgiveness. He he would paint these pictures about a better life in this life. And, And Jesus would paint this picture for us so that ultimately, ultimately we would know a little bit more about how not to make life more difficult than it actually has to be. He talked about a life where we enjoy giving more than receiving. Can you imagine Most folks, they're making life so much more difficult than it has to be because they're so consumed with getting rather than giving. And Jesus said, it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus said, there's a much better way to live that you can actually say no to you so that you can actually say something, you know, say yes to something far greater. And so Jesus talked about this over and over and over again and basically said, I want to show you a better way to live life. Yes, life is hard. It's going to be hard. Whether you have faith, no faith, Christian or no Christian, life is hard. But Jesus said, you don't have to make life harder. You don't have to make life more difficult than it actually has to be. So Jesus showed up and this is what Jesus said. He said, the thief, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy, right? You've heard that before. But Jesus said, I have come that they, that's you and that's me, that they may have life and have it to the full. He says, I want you to have life and not only life, but I want you to have it to the full. Said another way, Jesus said this, a thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, when you think about your life and you think about the life of your family, do you think about a rich and satisfying life? Is that what comes to mind? Is that how you would describe your day-to-day life? Would you describe your day-to-day experience as life to the full? Would you experience it as a rich and satisfying life? Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible, he said it this way, a thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better. Everybody say more and better. All right, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Jesus said, this is why I came into the world. I know that you think I came into the world to die for you, and I did. But part of me going to the cross and part of my victory over sin and death in the resurrection, part of that is just not about eternal life beyond this life. It is about a better life in this life. Jesus said, the reason that I have come, the reason that I've shown up here in this world is to offer you life and offer it to the full. Jesus said, I want your life to be so full that you actually spill life into the people around you. That your life is so full, your life splashes out that it gets on the people that are around you. Because we all know what that's like. We've all experienced it to some degree or the other. We get around somebody 
They're so full of life. They're so full of energy. They're so full of passion. They have so much peace, so much contentment. It just seems like they're so grounded. And when we are with them, it's like we're getting their life on us. And for a little bit of time, we feel better. And for a little bit of time, we see life a little bit differently. But then we go back to making the same decisions, heading in the same wrong direction, and ending up in the same bad destination that makes our life more difficult than it actually has to be. Jesus said, I have come that you may actually live the type of life that one day, I know you don't want to think about this, but one day when you are taking your last breaths, when you're in the last weeks, the last days, the last hours, the last moments of your life, that you will look back over the life that you lived and not that it's going to be perfect and not that you batted a thousand percent, not that you were 10 from 10, you know, 10 out of 10, but you would look back over the life that you've lived and you will think to yourself, I'm so glad I did it that way. I'm so glad that I did it that way. It was so rich. It was so satisfying. And that you would look back in time and look at your life and say, this was far better. This was far greater than what I could have ever imagined for myself. And Jesus said, this is why I have come into the world. Now, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, which we do, that means we have to take everything that Jesus said seriously, including this including this, that we have to take seriously that Jesus said, I've come that you may have life, better life, eternal life, that I have come that you may have rich and satisfying life. I have come that you may have full life. I have come that you may have a life better than what you ever imagined. Now, just think with me for a moment. Think about the possibilities if that's what characterized the local church, if that's what characterized the life of Christians, that we had full life, that it didn't look like we were miserable, didn't look like we were always depressed. Didn't look like we were always worrying about the state of the world or the state of our world, you know, personally. But we had life. It was rich. It was satisfying. It was full. It was better than we ever imagined. The impact that that would have on people outside the church. Jesus said, this is the most attractive way to live your life. And when you live your life this way, other people who are perhaps far from God are going to be attracted to this way of living that is only found in a relationship with their heavenly father. And so if we take seriously that Jesus, you know, died for our sins and was raised from the dead, we have to take what he said seriously, including this. So the question is, the question is, how do we get it? How do we have this better life? How do we not make life more difficult than it actually has to be? Well, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told a story about two builders, and you've heard this since Sunday school, but Jesus told the story of two builders. And he says, one builder listened to what I said and acted upon it. And the other builder listened to what I said and did nothing with what I said. And Jesus said that life was hard on both men. Both experienced a storm, both experienced wind, both experienced a flood. But at the end of the difficulty of life, one man's house continued to stand. And that was the one who listened to Jesus and acted upon what Jesus said. His house continued to stand even though life was hard. But the other man, life destroyed his house. Life destroyed his house. One man survived life. The other man became a victim to life because he listened to what Jesus said. He heard what Jesus said, but he did not act upon it. And so Jesus, he painted this picture for us of both men who experienced, hey, life is hard. But one man, 
One man who ignored what Jesus said made life harder than what it actually had to be. And Jesus said the difference between the two men is something very profound. It's wisdom. It's wisdom. The difference between the one and the other was wisdom. One had wisdom to listen to what Jesus said and obey it. To listen to what Jesus said and do something with it. The other guy lacked wisdom. He tried to do his own thing. He made his own decisions. He headed in a direction. And the destination that he ultimately wound up in was a destination of his own creation. And ultimately, life destroyed his life. And Jesus said the difference between the two is wisdom. It's not intelligence. It wasn't experience. It wasn't the way that they were raised. It was wisdom. Jesus said the difference between the two is wisdom. Now, wisdom, you, we hear this all the time, and we think it's always associated with old people. But, you know, old people, you know, can be wise, and old people don't have to be wise. Young people, you know, they don't have to be wise, but they can be wise, right? It, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. Wisdom is irrelevant. Uh, wisdom is the skill to live life well. Right? That, that's it. One man did well, one man did not. In Jesus's, you know, analogy of the two men who build houses and they experienced the hardness of life and one survived and one did not. Wisdom is the ability to live life with skill. It's actually being good at life. Have you ever felt like you're not good at life? Have you ever felt like you're not good at the stage or the age of life that you're currently in? Have you ever felt like you're not good at being single? You're not good at being married? You're not good at being a parent? You're not good with money? You're not good with friendships. You're not good with relationships. Have you ever felt that way? Well, wisdom is the ability to live life with skill, that you're actually good at life. You handle life well, that you're able to do well with life. No matter how hard life is, you're able to live life well and you're able to handle life well. Now, according to Jesus, in the, you know, the parable of these two builders, wisdom is moving beyond mere admiration and mere affirmation of what Jesus said, and it's actually moving into application of what Jesus said. There's a lot of people who say, hey, I'm a Jesus follower. I have a lot of admiration for what Jesus said. I love what Jesus said. I love to hear his words, you know, preached about. I love to read his words. I have a lot of admiration for Jesus. And some Christians, you know, they're like, yes, I have affirmation for everything Jesus said. I believe it's true. I can say amen behind everything that Jesus said. But the people who have affirmation and adoration and admiration for what Jesus said, many of them have not yet walked into application of what Jesus said. They're listening to what Jesus says. They like what Jesus says, but they're yet not acting on what Jesus said. And Jesus said wisdom is just not admiration. It's just not affirmation. Wisdom comes along and allows us to step into application of what Jesus said. We hear what Jesus said and then we actually do something with it. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom fills the gap between what I know I should do and what I actually do. Because I think that most of us, if we're really honest, most of us know the right thing that we should do most all of the time. The problem is we just don't do what we know we should do many, many times. And Jesus said that wisdom is the thing that helps you take what you know you should do and it fills in the gap between what you actually do. So you hear and you do. You hear and you obey. Wisdom's not theoretical, it's practical. And in Jesus's paradigm of life, 
Information that leads to application ultimately results in transformation. That's kind of Jesus' paradigm of life. That information that leads to application ultimately fuels transformation. That's, that's how it works. And so as we talk about wisdom and we think about, hey, wisdom is the thing that fills the gap in between what I know I should do and what I actually do. And we think about it in terms of every day we're making choices that are either making life more difficult than what it has to be or that we're making life a little bit easier than perhaps what it should be because we're taking what Jesus said and we're actually doing something with it. When you think about choices and you think about your decisions, that every day your decisions, they're taking you in a direction. And right now you are heading in the direction of a particular destination. And that destination could make life easier or that can make life harder. And Jesus said, if you want to head in the right direction, you got to start with the right decisions. you got to start in the right direction. You'll end up in the right place. And the thing that enables us to do that, the thing that ensures that we will do that is Wisdom, because the path that you're on today determines the place that ultimately you will end up tomorrow. And we all want to end up where the wise builder was, that he experienced the difficulty of life, but in the end, he survived the difficulty of life. That's where we want to end up. We don't want to end up like the guy who built his house on the sand. He ignored what Jesus said. Life was hard, but in the end, life destroyed his life. Wisdom. Wisdom is the thing that's going to help you become a better decision maker. It's going to help me become a better decision maker. And the better decisions I make, the better direction that I'm heading in, and ultimately the better destination I will end up in. And so Jesus said, wisdom is really important. Wisdom is the necessary thing that you need and I need in order to have this better life that he came into the world to offer the world. Now, I don't think you can think about wisdom. I don't think you can talk about wisdom without talking about the son of David, King David in the Old Testament, a king by the name of Solomon, who was known as the wisest king in all of the world. And matter of fact, there's an entire book in the Old Testament scriptures called the book of Proverbs, where he writes statements of wisdom. Now, someone once said that a proverb is a short sentence about a long experience, a short sentence about a long experience. And that's exactly what the book of Proverbs is as it relates to Solomon. Solomon was the wisest guy in the world, but it didn't mean that he got it all right. Matter of fact, a lot of his wisdom came from learning from his mistakes. Don't think that you have license to not pay attention to what Solomon said because he messed up. The fact that he messed up and learned from his mess up means that I should lean in and it means that I should listen to what he says. Because someone who walked through the fire and learned something in the fire, and if it can help me and if it can help you from walking through the same fire, then we need to sit up straight, we need to lean in, and we need to pay attention to what somebody like that says. Because we don't want to make mistakes that otherwise we could have avoided if we had just had wisdom. So this is what Solomon says. A guy who didn't get it right all the time, but he messed up many of the times. And because of his mess ups, he learned many, many things. 
which ultimately he recorded in a book of wisdom called the book of Proverbs. And this is what Solomon said. He says, trust in the Lord, right? Trust in the Lord. You've heard these, these verses all your life. Solomon says, trust in the Lord. This is what I've learned about wisdom, Solomon says. This is, this is what I've learned. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding because if you do, you will make life harder. Trust in the Lord, don't trust yourself. Trust in the Lord, don't trust yourself. In all of your ways, submit. That's application. That's taking what Jesus said and doing something with it. Submitting to him, that's the wise builder that built his house on the rock because he listened to the words of Jesus and in the end, his life survived life. Submit to him. Solomon says, this is what I've learned about wisdom. Submit to him and he will make your paths straight. So you need to trust God, right? We've heard that. Trust God. It begins with trust. Wisdom begins with trust. Trust God. Don't trust you. You will lead you wrong almost all of the time. God, our Heavenly Father, our Savior will never lead us wrong, not one single time. So trust what He says. Trust what He says about you. Trust what He says about other people. Trust what He says about life. Trust what he says about what is right. Trust what he says about what is wrong. Trust what he says is his will for your life. Trust in his plan for your life. Trust that his ways are better than your ways. Trust that his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Trust him. Don't trust you. Trust him. He says, so you've got to dethrone your own sensibilities. You've got to dethrone your own, you know, your own ability to think for yourself at times. And you've got to trust him. You've got to defer to him first. And he says, you've got to submit. You've got to listen, and then you've got to obey. You've got to listen, and then you've got to do something about it. And he says, if you do this, God will make your way straight. He'll give you the quickest way to the better life that he promised right? The, the, the quickest way between two points is a straight line, right? He says, I'll make your path straight. You want the better life that I came into the world, I died for you to have, I was raised from the dead for you to have, then you trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't trust yourself. Submit to me in all of your ways and I will get you to the better life that you already desire for yourself. And so Solomon goes on, he says, blessed, blessed are those or happy are those. Blessed are those who find wisdom. Those who gain understanding. In other words, they're fortunate, they're happy, they're successful, they're content. He says, happy are those who find wisdom, this ability to live life well, to have skill at life in making the best decisions that puts you in the right direction towards the destination that ultimately you desire for yourself. And he says, listen, not only that, not only for those who find wisdom, but for those who find understanding. He said, well, what's the difference between understanding and wisdom? And there's a certain degree that he uses these two terms synonymously. But wisdom and understanding is different in, in one particular way. Wisdom is the ability to be skillful. You're making the right decisions. You know, you, you kind of know the right thing from the wrong thing. But understanding is actually being able to focus in and see things even more clearly, right? Sometimes life just isn't clear. Sometimes knowing what to do just doesn't seem clear, right? You think you know the right thing to do, but you don't know if that really applies to the situation because sometimes life is unclear. If we're honest, sometimes theology doesn't even seem to be that clear. So what do you do when things aren't that clear? He says, not only do you need to find wisdom, but you need to find understanding because understanding clarifies everything. It actually gives you insight. You can see more than other people see. 
You can see further than other people can see. You hear more. You understand more than other people understand. And so basically what Solomon's saying is, it's a happy person. It's a happy person who finds wisdom and understanding because insight, insight is better than hindsight every single time, right? We've heard it all of our lives. Hindsight is 2020, right? You look back and you can see it clearly. What if you can see it clearly beforehand, right? You, you, know, you know now that you should have done it differently. You know now you should have broke off the relationship. You know now, right? You see it clearly now, but what if you could have seen it beforehand? What if you could have seen further, heard more, understood more on the front side? And Solomon says you can't. You don't have to walk through it to understand from it. You can actually see it beforehand. And that's understanding and that's wisdom and they work hand in hand. Insight is better than hindsight. Listen, parents, if you're not teaching, your kids this right now, you're, you're, you're missing a great opportunity. If you're not teaching your students this, insight is better than hindsight. Many of us parents, we have hindsight. Many of us adults, we have hindsight. So students, listen to adults, they have hindsight. But don't give up the quest for insight because insight is better than hindsight every single time. It is far better to not have to make the mistake the first time around than to make it and learn from it. It is far better. Insight is better than hindsight, and this is what Solomon's talking about. So he's talking about wisdom. He's talking about understanding. He says, for wisdom, she is more profitable. You know, he personifies wisdom. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. The best investment, Solomon says, that you can make with your time and energy is in the pursuit of wisdom. She's more precious than rubies. And nothing, listen to this, nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing you desire can compare with her. So whatever you aspire for, whatever you're ambitious about, whatever you're seeking, whatever you're pursuing, whatever you're reading about, he says, none of it, not one single thing that you're currently pursuing is going to be as important as wisdom. Why, Solomon? Why? And he goes on to answer. He says, because long life is in her right hand. You mean I'll live longer with wisdom? Solomon seems to think so. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. You mean I'm going to possibly do better financially with wisdom as compared to without wisdom? Solomon seems to think so. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. He's saying this is not a dreadful way to live life. This is not an unfun way to live life. This is not, you know, a miserable way to live life. He says, matter of fact, this way of life is peaceful and it is prosperous and it is pleasant. He goes on and he says, wisdom is a tree of life. To those who take hold of her, those who hold fast will be blessed. Everybody wants blessed. So is it selfish to want to be blessed? Apparently not. Because he says, hey, if you want some reasons to pursue wisdom, he says, there's blessing in it. There's blessing in wisdom. You will be happier for it. You'll be more successful for it. You'll be in a better place for it. You'll be better at being single with it. You'll be better at being married with wisdom. Where, whatever age, whatever stage of life you're in, you're going to be better off because of it. He says there's not an aspect of your life that's not going to be touched by wisdom. If you walk by wisdom, you're going to be healthier physically. You say, how does that work? <laughs> you're not going to eat some of the things you're eating. Maybe you're not going to drink as much of the things that you're drinking. 
Maybe you're not gonna you know, go and do the things you've been going and doing. You're gonna be healthier. You're gonna be better physically. You may carve out 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and you're gonna invest in your physical health. You're gonna walk, you're gonna jog, you're gonna lift some weights. You're gonna be better. You're gonna make wiser choices. The doctor's already telling you to do it. Wisdom says, okay, I'm gonna listen to that. I'm actually gonna do something about it. Your doctor says, hey, you had a heart attack eight months ago. You need to give up like, you know, the fried food. You know, cut back on the butter. Go half a stick instead of a full stick. Whatever you need to do, be wise, right? You're, you're hearing this stuff already. And people are telling you, hey, you need to do this about your physical health. But you're not listening. You're not listening. You love your family. You love your wife. You love your kids. You love your husband, but yet for some reason you're being told this is the best thing, this is the right thing, this is the better thing, but yet you've yet to do anything about it. And Solomon says, because you need wisdom. If you get wisdom, you'll be, you'll be healthier physically. You'll be healthier financially. You will not spend more than you make, right? Is that a novel thought? You will not spend more than you make. You will save, you'll be generous, you'll live off the rest. You'll save, you'll be generous, you'll live off the rest. That's what wisdom can bring you. It can bring a better state of financial affairs to your life and to your family. You'll be better off relationally. You'll know how to deal with people better. You'll know that it's better to forgive than to carry grudges. You know that it's better not to walk around with your, you know, your emotions on your shirt sleeve. You'll just know that that's not the best way and the better way to live. It's not the life that Jesus intended. You're going to love instead of hate. You're going to do for others what you would want them to do for you. You're going to be so much better off, Solomon says, with wisdom. With wisdom. Now, again, I come back to the statement that insight is better than hindsight. Well, anyway, I thought it was there, but it's not there. So... We're talking about wisdom, we're talking about insight, we're talking about all this understanding, we're talking about this whole thing, and we're talking about the fact that there's not a part of your life that's not going to benefit from wisdom. None of your physical you know, health, none of your financial health, none of your relational health, none of, it, none of it's going to be untouched by wisdom because you're going to have insight, your insight's going to let you know what you need to do ahead of time. You're not going to have to make the mistakes in order to learn from the mistakes, Right? And so Solomon says, all of your life's going to be better because of this. You have wisdom, you have understanding. You have wisdom, you have understanding. And so this is, this is what he goes on to say. He says, get wisdom. Everybody get wisdom. Get understanding, right? You've got to have these two things. You've got to have skill and you've got to have insight. You've got to have skill, you've got to have insight. Do not forget my words. Do not forget my words, he says. He's talking to his son, right? Solomon's trying to pass on, you know, wisdom to the next generation. He says, do not forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will, listen to this, everybody. She will protect you. Love her, love wisdom, and she will watch over you. Now listen, this is incredible. Wisdom, wisdom is something you can turn to or turn away from. That's first of all what Solomon's saying. He says, wisdom, if you turn to it, if you pursue it, if you love wisdom, it will protect you. It will always be with you. It will watch over you. It will be the friend who's looking over your shoulder, who's whispering in your ear saying, no, shouldn't do that. No, don't say that. Let it go. Let it go. No, you should choose this over that. that wisdom's always there. Now, listen, parents, let me say a word to all the parents. You should be pushing your sons and daughters towards wisdom because guess what? This is what Solomon says. When you can't be with them, 
And there's a lot of their day and some of their weekends that you can't be with your son or daughter. That when you can't be with them, guess who's with them? Wisdom is with them. You push them towards wisdom. You push them towards insight and understanding. And it's going to be there when you're not there to help them make better decisions so that they're going in a better direction so they end up in the right destination. And so Solomon continues. He says, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, right? It's just, hey, I'm going to go after this. I'm going to pursue this. And then he says this. Though it cost all you have, though it cost all you have, get understanding. And here's what Solomon's point is. Wisdom will cost you. It's going to cost you to get wisdom. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you some time. It may cost you some reading. It may cost you having a conversation with some other people. But wisdom is going to cost you. For some of us, wisdom may cost us our words, things that we're used to saying that we don't need to say. For some of us, wisdom may cost us our habits. They're bad habits. They're bad decisions. They're taking us in a bad direction. We're going to end up in a bad destination. For some of us, wisdom is going to cost us our desire, right? There's some things we desire to do that we know is not right and we know that we shouldn't pursue. And wisdom is going, going to cost us that desire. For some of us, wisdom may cost us a relationship because that relationship is not healthy. That relationship is causing us to be unwise. It's causing us to make some undermining decisions for our own future and our own well-being. It may cost us giving up the immediate for the sake of the ultimate. It may cost a change to your schedule because you know as a family you're already too busy. You know you're already committed to too many extracurricular activities. And to actually live with wisdom, it may cost you how you run your schedule day to day, week to week, month after month. You may have to change some things. You may have to pull out of some things. It may change your spending habits. It may change your saving habits. It may change your giving habits. It may change your, your lifestyle. It may, change you, it may cost you your routine. It may cost you your diet, what you love to eat. Wisdom will cost you. It will cost you. Solomon says, but if you cherish her, she will exalt you. You embrace her, she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Listen, my son, Solomon says, accept what I say and the years of your life will be many. He says it over and over again. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and I'll lead you along again, straight paths. I'm going to get you to the better life that you desire to be at. And I'm going to get you there quicker because of wisdom. And he says, and when you walk because of wisdom, your steps will not be hampered. And when you run, you will not stumble. In other words, the better life that Jesus came into the world to offer you and to offer me, we're going to be able to get there. And we're going to get there faster than we would have any other way because we're actually applying our hearts to wisdom. We're listening and we're obeying. We've moved on beyond admiration to application. And he says, when you do, when you live with wisdom, the path that you travel on. Yes, life is going to be hard, but it's not going to be harder than it has to be. Life is still going to be hard, but you will not make it harder as much as you used to. And so Solomon says, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, get wisdom because a better way of life is at stake. Living with wisdom will cost you something. Living without wisdom will cost you far more. Living with wisdom will cost you. It may cost you time. It may cost you energy. It may cost you painful change to your life. 
But living without wisdom sooner or later will cost you something far more. You say, well, how do we get it? How do we get wisdom? James, the half-brother of Jesus, he says, if any person lacks wisdom, if any person lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Let him ask of God who gives to all men freely. Ask of God. He says, if you lack wisdom, let that person ask of God. That's as easy as it gets. If you lack it, ask for it. If you lack it, ask for it. If you lack it, ask for it. If any person lacks wisdom, right? This is James, that brother Jesus. If any person lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives it generously. So here, here's what I want you to do as we wrap things down. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin every day for the next six weeks. In two weeks, we start a brand new series called Don't Lose Your Marbles. And I'm gonna be talking about some really important things. Maybe some of you may leave the church because of some of the things that we're gonna talk about. But I want you to pray over the next two weeks and then I want you to pray through the four weeks of that series. I want you to just pray every morning you wake up, God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. And I want you to start seeing the world through wisdom. I want you to start hearing the world through wisdom so that you will ultimately be the one who built his life. And even though life was hard, in the end, life was not able to take your life. I do not want any of us to be like the guy who built his house and life robbed him of life. Life is hard, but Jesus said, there's a way not to make it harder than what it has to be. And it's wisdom. And if you lack it, ask for it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for the words of Jesus and God, thank you for the words of Solomon. And Father, I pray right now that for the next six weeks, every student, every adult will begin their day or end their day or at some point during their day, just whisper this prayer. Heavenly Father, give me wisdom. Because a better life is the result of wisdom. It is the better life that you came to die for us in order to give it to us. And Father, I pray that the better life you've promised us will become a reality to us because we pursued wisdom, we obtained wisdom, we obtained understanding. And because of it, because of it, in the end, we'll look back at a life that's been rich and satisfying, a life that has been full, and a life that ultimately was greater than what any of us ever imagined it could be. So God, give us wisdom. And over the next few weeks, God, speak to us in ways that not only do we hear you, but also we obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.